0: a community of strength. Everybody say, a community of strength. Yes, another title will be building a strong community or building strength into our community, a community of strength, strong community. So, um, Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 11, well, we're going to be studying in Ephesians 6, the final part of Paul's epistles to the uh, efficiency. Let me tell you a little bit about the city of Ephesus before I go forward, because it's always good for you to know the context, when you know the context of, how, uh, of what, like, how the, uh, of the place or how the Bible was written, what surrounds when it was written, you understand it better. So, Ephesus um, is a city, right, that is in modern-day Turkey, but then... You know, it was part of the, you know, the Roman Empire and all that. So Paul, remember, Paul was preaching all around, preaching in Ephesus, and actually preaching all around the area, you know. And then, you know, Ephesus was one of those places where Paul um, established a church. Now, Ephesus was a very, very, it's a city that was known uh, very much for idolatry before the church came there. So a lot of people in Ephesus worshipped a goddess um, that is called, uh, the name of the goddess is Artemis. Uh, It's also called Diana. So that was the, you know, the the religion of the Ephesians then. So some of them now became believers, right? They became believers, and then, you know, when you become a believer, uh, you know that when you give your heart to Jesus, you become a believer, your spirit gets transformed. Isn't that true? But your mind is not necessarily transformed immediately. So you bring some of the things that you had outside, you still bring it into the church. Are you following? So you bring it into the church. So, so one of the things that, you know, church planters or people that are preaching the gospel then like Paul and all had to do, apart from people getting born again, they have to disciple people. They have to teach them you know, and renew their mind so that they can be able to start operating based on the kingdom of God. So so these people that Paul was talking to, they were very much aware. If you read Acts chapter 19, Acts 19 actually tells how the Ephesian, Ephesian church started. I'll give you some, some aspect of it. Paul gets to Ephesus and then he meets a couple of believers, and he asked them, have you been, um, sorry, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Or, you, you know, in a sense, since you believe, they said, you know, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since you believe?' They said, we've not even heard about the Holy Spirit. We only know about the baptism of, of John, right? So Paul, pray, you know, lead, lead, leads them, you know, to receive the Holy Spirit. Then he began, he began to teach in the place for several years, and then suddenly the word started spreading all over the place, I'm just giving you a summary of Acts chapter 19. So the word started spreading all over the place. And then the name of Jesus Christ became glorified. And then people that were getting saved, so God began to do miracles through Paul, that anchorchief, that's where you first saw ankerchief. you know, talking about anchorchief being taken from his hand, from his body, and people were getting healed. All those kind of things were happening. And then people that, were, that past practiced sorcery, do you get what I'm saying? Sorcery and all this stuff, right? They started burning their books, Right, they came and burned their books, and then you hear about the seven sons of Sceva that wanted also to cast out devils in the name of Jesus, and they said in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches, we commanded to come out, and the demon, you know, came upon them, and you know they had to flee with their clothes off. So I'm just giving you the background. That's the background of this church, right? It was a church that understood. Spiritual stuff. It was a church that understood spiritual conflict. So Paul had been telling them stuff from the beginning of the epistle, from Ephesians one to, telling them about who they were in Christ, how we're seated in the heavens, talking about you know community life and all that. Then he gets to this part. Say so before I conclude this, um, this epistle to you. So let's read it. Let's go, everybody. Want let, to let let's read. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's hammer so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So Paul tells them, I want to end this letter to you by talking about strength. I want your community to become a community of strength. I want you believers to be strong. Why? Because there is a spiritual conflict that is taking place. And that's what I want to end this February with. I want you all to know that there is a spiritual conflict that we are involved in. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so as a believer alone, just as a believer, you are you know, a born-again believer, there is a conflict that you get into just as a believer, just as a believer alone. But then when you become a believer who now decides that you want to dedicate your life to serve God, you, be, you, you get into even deeper conflict. Then, when you're a believer who says, I want to start, be part of starting a church, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Because the devil does not want churches to be started, does not want life giving communities to be started. So, I'm just trying to tell you that there is actually, there's actually a conflict going on. So, we got to develop supernatural strength or spiritual strength. Okay, are we ready? So I'm going to be talking just based on four points, four main points today. And the first one is the call for a strong community. That's my first point. The call for a strong community. Everybody say the call. call. For a strong community. So that's the first thing Paul did in that episode. Lord, I just thank you because as I... Speak your word today as I go right out to speak your word. I thank you for your grace to be able to communicate it clearly. I take authority over every distraction. I declare in the name of Jesus that this atmosphere is conducive for what you intend to do here. Holy Spirit, we just yield ourselves to you and we just open up to you. Thank you for communicating your will. I bind every opposing force now in the name of Jesus. Say stopping your operations Amen. and desist in your maneuvers. Amen. Thank you, Lord, because your word has a free course. You, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So the first one is the call for a strong community. Everybody say the call for a strong community. All so that's from Ephesians 6, from verse 10 to 11. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. A call for a strong community. So when we look at that passage, um, that passage, you know, Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, there are three things I want us to notice from there. The first thing uh, there is the necessity of strength. Everybody said the necessity of strength. <laughs> so look at it. Paul says, he says here, he says, be strong. So he wasn't, he wasn't suggesting that we should be strong. He was commanding it. It was a command. He was saying, you got to be strong. You can't be weak. You have to be strong and not weak. Amen. So in other words, you cannot afford to be a weak believer. And we cannot afford to be a weak community. We have to be a strong community. Now, another another thing from the from that necessity of, of, of strength there is the fact that Paul is implying that it is possible to be a weak, sorry, a weak believer. It's also possible to be a weak community or believers. So people think that churches just because something is, you know, a church or because a group of believers gather together and they worship and they do what church does, that that automatically means they are strong. No, they are, they are weak churches and they are strong churches. They are weak believers and they are what? Strong believers. So that, you know, there's a, there's, there is an option that we have to choose. Are we going to be a strong church or are we going to be a weak church? Are we going to be strong believers or weak believers? Because there are many weak believers, and then there are also strong believers. So Paul was telling, well, was trying to tell the Ephesian church, "I want you all to be strong. I want you to be strong believers, not weak believers." Amen. All right. So, amen. Okay, good. So let's 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 climb. All right. <laughs> so everybody said the necessity of strength. So it's a, it's a commandment, not a suggestion. You, you won't be able to survive as a believer if you are weak. If you are a weak believer or if you are a weak church, the, the enemy will crush you. So that's why one of the things we got to do in Glow Church as we're starting is we've got to build strength into Glow Church. And we have to make sure that we maintain The strength. Can I get an amen to that? Now the second thing there is the nature of the strength. In that verse, the nature of strength. Notice it it says, be strong in the Lord. So there are different types of strength. You could be strong in yourself. You could be physically strong. You could be mentally strong. But what he's talking about here is spiritual strength. Everybody says spiritual strength. So I'm not talking about, you know, just physical strength here. We need physical strength. And I'm not just talking about mental strength. No, I'm talking about spiritual strength. Everybody says spiritual strength. You see, there's something about spiritual strength. When you build it into your household, whether it's a family, you build it into yourself or build it into a, build it into a church, it's just something that is dead. People can't see it, right? Do you get what I'm saying? People can't see but it is there and it is protecting everybody. Do you get what I'm saying? And it is sustaining whatever household it is. It's just there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for example, when you see, for exa- you know, you know uh, materials, all materials have different kind of strength, right? This one has different kind of strength. If you put this on top of this, it might not be able to survive, it might break, but you see, this, this is a stronger type of material. But when you look at everything, see, you look at everything, they look the same right? But the the strength is inside. The strength is in the nature of what is made of. If it is steel, it has a strength. If it is plastic, it has its own strength. Are you guys following me? So there are different types of strength. Are you all following? So, So you can look at believers and they can look the same. Or you can look at churches and they can you can even see them on TV and all that. And it looks so beautiful. Do you get what I'm saying? It looks the same. But the strength is based on the nature. You have to build strength into the DNA of things. So Paul is going to show us how to build strength into our households as we continue. Amen. Hallelujah. Then the the, the, the second thing there is... Uh, Sorry, the third thing there is the need to stand. If you are writing, the need to stand. The need to to stand. So first of all, the necessity of strength, you have to be strong. We cannot be weak. The nature of strength, this strength is in God's strength, not in your own strength. It's a spiritual kind of strength. And then the third one is the need to stand. So what's the reason? This is talking about the reason for the strength. The reason why we need the strength is so that we can what? Withstand. Right? Why, why, do, we, why do we think all these things need strength? Like, why do we think this needs strength? So that it can be able to hold right, this thing up so that it doesn't fall. Right? That's why all these things need strength. So the reason for the strength is so that we can be able to withstand. We can be able to stand and withstand, and resist. Do you get what I'm saying? So meaning that if the strength is not there, things will break apart. Things will fall apart. I'm telling you, believers fall apart, households fall apart, churches fall apart, if there is no strength. So we've got to be strong. So that's the point number one. Now you guys are, yeah, we're climbing now. The call for a strong community. So the uh, the second point, the characteristics of spiritual conflict. That's point number two. The characteristics of spiritual conflict. So point number one is the call to be strong. So we saw there that it's a command. We have to be. Number two, it's in God's strength. Not in our own strength, it's in Christ's strength. And then number, number three, the point of the strength or the purpose of the strength is so that we can be able to stand and we can be able to withstand what is coming, right? To withstand what to, also to be able, not just what is coming, to have capacity, right? To be able to do what God has called us to do. So point number two, the characteristics of spiritual conflict. So Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter six and begins to explain to them So that they can understand what this spiritual conflict looks like. Do you know that a lot of believers don't really know the conflict they are involved in? They don't know the characteristics of it. So, I mean, if you don't know the battle you are supposed to fight, just imagine that it's a boxing match, right? So you get there, you know, you don't know, you're not sure. You just know that there's a match. So you get there, It's 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 supposed to be a boxing match. You have no gloves, you have nothing, and then you get there, right? You don't even know who your opponent is. So you get in the ring, you have no the glove, then you start fighting the referee. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? You, you're just confused. That's how a lot of believers handle their spiritual life. First of all, they do not know the nature of the conflict. Number two, they don't even understand who they are, who they are in conflict with. And so they just keep, they, they feel pressure and they just keep fighting anyhow. You understand? So Paul had to explain the nature of the conflict, the characteristics of the spiritual conflict. So let's look at some of the, uh, let's read some passages together uh, that talks about the characteristics of it. Let's read verse 11. Once you go, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirit in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing. You still be standing what? Firm. Now, there's another passage, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, that talks about the characteristics of the conflict again, and I will explain it, uh, all these passages that we're reading. Let's read together, 2 Corinthians two eleven. One, two, let's go. So, Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. And then, 2 Corinthians 10, from verse 3 to 5. Let's read. We are human. But we don't wage wars as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock out the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, so from these three passages that we read, there are certain things that I want you to know and that Paul wanted us to know about the nature or the characteristics of the spiritual conflict that we are in that we need to be strong for. The first one, number eight, is that it's a serious conflict. It's a serious conflict. Everybody say serious. <laughs> so I really wanted to bring that out because a lot of people... Ah, not serious. <laughs> no, no, because they do not know that they are in a battlefield. So the moment you become a believer, you are in a battlefield. Look, anyway, sorry, if you are a human being, you are in a battlefield. The only problem is that if you are just a human being natural, you don't have God, you are just a pawn in there. You are in the pocket of the devil, so he can do whatever he wants to do. You're a pawn, you know, in chess, right? <laughs> But the moment you become a believer, right, you become a threat to the devil. So one of the first things he would do to you as a believer is to keep you from knowing who you are so that you continue to be a pawn. But the moment you start to learn who you are, right, and then you start becoming fruitful or useful as a believer, you become a more serious threat, to the kingdom of darkness, you know. Paul told those demons. I mean, sorry, those demons told the sons of Sceva. He said, "Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you?" So, mean that the devil actually knows people. They know. Do you get what I'm saying? They know people. They know the strength and capacities of people. They know. They. They. I know. I know. I know Jesus, right? I know Paul. I see what he's doing. But you, who are you, talking to those people, right? Because they didn't they, they, they were not in relationship with God so these devils demons the devil whatever they know people and then you know they, they can see you understand the, you know the the the, the 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 position or the strength of people do you understand what I'm saying so I want you to know that this is a serious conflict the stakes are high the stakes are high what are the stakes? What are some of the stakes of this conflict? First of all, number one stake is, first of all, the maintenance of your own spiritual vibrancy. I can tell you that the moment you leave this place, there's going to be, you know, I mean, basically you know it, then something begins to happen to get you out of spiritual vibrancy so that you become weak. Number two, some of the stakes of this battle is your, the fulfillment of your purpose on the earth. For you to fulfill your purpose on this earth, you have to take this seriously, or you will end up not fulfilling it. Some other stakes, there are people that are underneath there are people that are underneath your protection. Like I'm talking about if you have children, you have spiritual children, you have do you get what I'm saying? They are those those people are also at stake. Then they are, you know, everybody has some people attached to their destinies. There are some people that are waiting for you to win. Do you get what I'm saying? To walk in victory so that they can also be able to walk in victory. Every conflict that you are going through right now, right, there's somebody who is going to need your victory when you overcome it. So for some of you, it's hundreds of people. For some people, it's thousands of people. For some people, it's millions of people. For some people, it's people in, in one sphere uh, you know, for, not, for some, I mean, we talk about the heart and entertainment sphere, the business sphere, the church sphere, the media sphere. We talked about uh, the educational sphere, the science science sphere, the family sphere, the government sphere. You know, that was, there are people waiting in all these spheres that are waiting for your victory. Yeah. You know, I, I think I was sharing with someone and I said, what makes your what makes your messages powerful? It's not just by re, by by just teaching sermons. No, what makes messages powerful is what you have touched and handled. Victories that you have won. Because you cannot give what you don't have. Right? says, such as I have, I give to you. It's, It's that victory when you are talking. It's that thing that is transferring to people, not just the words that you are speaking. It's who you are that is transferred. Do you get what I'm saying? So that is why we have to take this very seriously. It's a serious conflict. In sense, it's like a, a soldier that is deployed to a war zone. Let's say you're deployed to Ukraine right now and you're fighting and then while the bombs are flying and everything is flying you're just you know, playing like you used to play before in peacetime. Do you get what I'm saying? Just doing everything you want to do. What's going to happen? That soldier is going to be a casualty. You don't want to be a casualty. You have to be serious. Everybody says it's a serious conflict. Serious. Yeah. Number two, number two, no, be there. It's a spiritual conflict. It's a spiritual conflict. It's a serious conflict. That's one. Because the word that Paul used in that place, you know, that word wrestle. You know, that's why that's where it got serious from. That word will wrestle not. It's, you know, wrestling is, you know, there are some sports that you play that you are far off, right? Wrestling is close combat. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's serious. Do you get what I'm saying? It's something. So that's the word he used there. We wrestle not. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's a wrestling that is taking place. There's a wrestling that you are doing for your destiny. There's a wrestling that we're doing for the church. There's a wrestling that we're doing for people that needs to be saved. There's a wrestling, and there's, uh, there are stakes, and the stakes are, so Then it's a spiritual conflict. So don't make the mistake to think that your enemies are people. That's what he was saying there. He says, it's not, you know, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood enemies. So it's not people. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not people. Now, the devil, what the devil does is that he can use people, he can inspire people, but you always need to go to see beyond the people and see what is behind them. Do you get what I'm saying? You see, there are some things you can do by convincing people. By, uh, oh yes, even for a church, there are many things that we can, we can get some things done by, you know, talking to people and all that. But if you really want what you want to do with people to be effective, you have to go and disengage the spirit that is operating behind the scene. Sometimes you just stop conversation with people and you get into conversation with God. Are you following me? Like, you just stop and say, no, I'm not talking to any human. You know, as a, as a, as a pastor, even as, you know, there are you know, many times in the, in the history of the church that, you know, I've got into some point when some things are happening and all that, and then you're you are talking. So what happens is that you talk to one person, and it seems as if it is soft. Then you just see the thing rise up in another person. And then you see it. I oh, say, yes, okay, I'm not talking to people anymore. <laughs> then you go. In your room or in your, your space of prayer, and you deal you address the spirit behind it, and you say you stop in your operations. You understand? You 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 deal with the spirit behind it, and then you just start seeing people straightening up. Are you following? So I want you to know that this is a spiritual conflict. This is not a this is not a physical conflict. This is not a conflict that you are gonna be fighting with people or trying to use natural weapons, right? We use spiritual weapons in this conflict. It's a spiritual conflict. Amen? Do you get it? We are confronting evil forces that hate God and that manipulate people and circumstances. That's what we're doing. So I want to make sure that I'm applying it, you know, to our lives and to our community of faith. So as uh, one of the, as you'll see later, one one of the things I'm so grateful for in Glow Church, right, that I'm so grateful for, is this practice of early morning prayers that we do. Yeah. You guys don't know. That's one of the, one of the ways that strength has been built into the community. It's, that's one of the ways that it's been built in the, com- the community. And you, you will see, Paul is going to tell you how to build strength into the community in a moment. right? It's, those things are doing something. And also, those things are resolving spiritual. They are resolving things Spiritually. So that physically, you, when you start addressing things physically or with people, you are addressing it without the influence of that negative force. So it's a spiritual conflict. Did you all get, did you all get there? Number C, is a strategic conflict. This is very important. I'm going to share something with you. It's a strategic conflict. What do I mean by a strategic conflict? Look at what Paul said there. He said, <laughs> uses a particular word there. He um, says, um, put on the, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Everybody say strategies. Now, so let me, let me, let everybody relax. Look at me now. Let, let me, let me tell you something about the devil so that you don't become scared of him. So when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, right, something took place. Before Jesus, right, before Jesus came. The, the devil had free reign to just do whatever I wanted to do on this earth. He had unfettered reign. Why? Because Adam had given unto him the dominion and all that. So he could do whatever I wanted to do. But Jesus, so but when Jesus Christ came and the devil noticed Jesus, he tempted him with a similar temptation that he gave to Adam. You know the temptations in Matthew chapter 4, all those temptations. But Jesus Christ Overcame those temptations. In one of the temptations, the devil said, All the kingdoms of this world have been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I want. So, meaning that one of the authority the devil had was, to, as the God of this world, to allow territories to be given to those that he wanted them to have it. And you guys, can, you guys will understand right now that many territories have been controlled by the devil. You got many, many on this earth right now. Many of those spheres that I talked about have been controlled by the devil. So when believers go in there, we're going in there like, how do I say, like we're playing in, not in home territory. It's like we're playing in away territory. I mean, just think about our public schools right now. It's like kids, you send your kids to public school, even to schools, even private school. You send your kids there, it's like you're sending them to foreign territory where the people that are teaching them Everybody, they have an agenda and they're operating by a particular spirit and that spirit has given them an assignment, even though they don't know, to, an assignment to disciple your kids differently from the way you are discipling them at home. Are you guys following me? If you have kids, you know that when you know we have kids and we talk with them, like what are, they, you know, what are they teaching? What are they learning? The atmosphere that they are in. It's like you are sending them to enemy territory. Even those of you that you are, you, you walk, you go to work, and all that—it's like you just entered into enemy territory. It's like there are people there. You sit in your living room, you turn on the TV. It's like the enemy territory broadcasting to you. You get on the internet. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? It's like the enemy territory coming to you. So basically, you're operating in enemy territory, and they have a serious agenda. They hate God. Are you following? They hate God, and they want to make sure that the plans of God do not work, that these plans of, uh, the plans of God are stopped. So you just find out every day you leave church. Oh, thank God. I mean, I pity those who don't go to church, because what it means is that you are living where? In enemy territory all the time. At least when you come to church, right? <laughs> you come to friendly territory, <laughs> The other thing is that you got to make your home friendly territory. That moment you get into your home like this. Do you get what I'm saying? You know that you are what you are, in a, you are in a safe safe zone. Do you get what I'm saying? I was you know I was going to bed yesterday and as I was just going to bed, I I just saw, you know I just saw this picture. I saw angels all around our house. Amen. Amen? And then I just slept. Yeah, nothing can penetrate it. Nothing can penetrate it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that is true. That is, that is the truth. Even if, if you come into the house, if you come into that house, something will happen to you. You understand? That you will take from that place. It's, it's not foreign territory. It's home territory. Amen? For the kingdom of God. It's a place that is saturated with worship, that is saturated with prayer, do you get what I'm saying? So you understand and they, that God is invited to come and be there in every room and to be all around it. Amen. You know, sometimes I do physical things to illustrate it. So in our in our yard, I took you know, all these um, what they call LED stuff. So I got ones that look like fire. You know, he said it will surround you like a wall of fire. So when you come at night, you see fire burning all around the place. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like a real fire. But in my mind, what I'm seeing is the fire of God surrounding the place. Are you following? So I'm just trying to tell you that many times we find ourselves in hostile territory. We live in hostile territory. We need communities of faith. We need to make our homes, households of faith, and to come in the household of so that we can be in what? In home territory. Oh, are you all following me? Are you getting it? Okay, it looks like we, know we are now cruising. Amen? <laughs> so now, but what I want to say about strategic conflict is this. So you need to understand the, na- you know, the, the nature of the conflict. It is not... So the devil that we're talking about is not the devil that is all-powerful. It cannot compare with God. It's not like God is like this and the devil is the exact opposite. No, the devil is a created being that was created by God. It's an angel. It's not par- the same power. What is the power of the devil. What is the power of the devil? What is the power? Jesus disarmed him of his authority over the earth, right? When he went to the cross. But what? The only thing that the devil has remaining is what is called the power of deception. Tricks. Tricks. the par- Lies. Right? Um... Shirley, you're a Greek scholar, right? I don't know if you know it. You know, I, know, I know Greek was tough, right? <laughs> it was tough. I, when I did it, it was really tough. It was one of the toughest things I've ever done. You know, I used to cry in a Greek class <laughs> when we had the exams <laughs> because we had to translate Bible, you know, the you know, portions of the Bible in our exams. But the word there, when it said strategies of the devil, that word in the Greek is the word methodia. Method, methodia, methods, schemes, tricks. So he uses tricks. That's what he said, Trick, trickster. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? He said, trickster. So that's what he uses now. That's the same word that Paul was talking about in Second Corinthians when he said, we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. Wiles, tricksters, tricks. Tricks is all he has. The biggest deceiver on this earth, I mean, of course, he's the, he's the source of all deceit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Remember when Jesus made the Pharisees, you know, what he told them? I think it's John, is it John chapter 8, verse, um, oh, John 8, 11, I 11, but, but, but I can quote it. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. You understand, of your father, the devil. And he said he was a liar from the beginning. He was a liar from the beginning. So you also, you are liars like him. I'm just paraphrasing it. So what I'm trying to tell you is this, that the biggest trick, power of the enemy, is the power of deception, lies. How do do lies work? Lies come and then you can believe what is wrong as truth and you can become a crusader for it. Do you know that a lot of people in the world, that you confront, that will confront, they actually believe that what they are doing is true. Do you get what I'm saying? They sincerely believe that it is true, that this is what it's supposed to be. In fact, sometimes it comes in the guise of compassion. Sometimes it comes in the guise of tolerance because he is so good at deceiving. Deception. Now, let's leave people outside. How about the church? One of the things that the devil would like to infiltrate the church with is Deception. First of all, the deception that it doesn't exist. That's what it's called, camouflage. Yeah? <laughs> camouflage. Camouflage is, you know, <laughs> you will know, you, you see the chameleon will change to the color of the environment. So that, you know, it's like a green snake in the green grass. So that's the power of deception. says It's like an angel of light. He, he, he transforms himself to an angel of life. So how does deception work? Deception will, will come like something that looks good and it's telling you to do something. And you look at it, it looks so good. It could be a good-looking person. It could be a <laughs> good-looking good guy or a good-looking lady or something, you know, telling you. And it could be somebody that, somebody that looks so spiritual or wealthy. Do you get what I'm saying? And he's saying, you know, say, wow, this is nice. Or even, you know, Somebody that is doing a lot of good stuff and the person is talking. Do you get what I'm saying? And you would be like, you know, if this person can be doing all good stuff, you know, this might be true. That is how it works. Deception. Deception. Woo! So that's why I said it's a strategic conflict. How do you fight deception? Everybody, how do you fight it? With what? With truth. So you see, you begin to see how the strength is going to come. And I'm going to show you now, you know, the component of the strength. You know, but I want to know that it's a strategic conflict. The final one there, it's a stand off contest. It's a stand off context. So basically, what do I mean by a stand off contest? You know, it says so that you'll be able to stand. You'll be able to stand. A stand off contest is let's see who is gonna outlast the other. Do <laughs> you get it? Let's see who is going to let's see who's gonna be the last man standing. So, you know, he came to Jesus, temptation one, temptation two, temptation three. But when he got to that final one, he said he left him to look for another season. (laughs) Because Jesus was the last man standing. Are you going to be the last man standing? (laughs) I'm talking about when the devil comes, are you going to stand? It depends on strength. Because sometimes the devil will outlast some people and that's it. But what God wants us to do, why he wants us to build this spiritual strength, is so that we can last. Amen. Year one, you can last. Year two, you can last. Year three, you can last. Seasons of abundance, you can last. Seasons when it seems like it's not flowing, you can last. All kinds of seasons that you go through, you can last. You can keep on moving. You can keep on going. You can keep on going. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a stand of contest. Wow, been a believer for 30 something years now. Maybe 33 years, or 30, you know, I don't know, 30, 34 years or so. That I've been a believer, and I have seen, I've seen people who start very strong, but they did not last. I know certain people that, I mean, they looked so strong, but you can't find them anymore. Yeah, we got to build strength to be able to last. Can I get an amen in the house? All right. All right. So the cabin crew can now serve the meals. (laughs) Number three, point number three, the components of spiritual covering. The components of spiritual covering. So I want to show you what does strength looks like the components of spiritual covering what does strength looks like what does the strength of a community look like what does the strength of a believer look like so let's read it the components of spiritual covering you know I love that word, spiritual covering and I I will I will talk a little bit more about it so so let's read it everybody want to go stand the next one are you ready go stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the hammer of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of this, hold on to the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. So, the components of spiritual covering. What does spiritual strength and covering look like? So, Paul gives us a picture there. And I love Paul. Paul uses illustration. I like, like, he just uses an illustration. The Holy Spirit is walking through him. And that illustration just helps us to, you know, to be able to understand him very well. So, what did he use? He used the hammer of a Roman sh- soldier to talk about the components of our spiritual strength. So, if you guys have seen it before, you can Google it up. So, the Roman soldier has something that he wears, that is called a helmet, right? On the head. That covers the head, and then, do you get what I'm saying? Covers the head. Then, as what is called the body armor. It's also called the breastplate. So, that covers the vital organ. Then... Now ask what is called the belt. I'll tell you what the belt is about, right? Then, now ask, so, so the body armor covers, and then you now ask the shoes that he wears, right? The sand, yeah, the sho- shoes. And then, has a shield. Now, the shield is usually big. Have you seen those movies before? They say, shield up! Everybody will bring up their shield and everybody's hiding on there, right? And then he has a sword. Amen. Are you guys, I mean, I actually like those kind of movies a lot. You know, I love those medieval movies, you know, that they fight and, you know. Yeah, I, I love those, those kind of movies a lot. So, do <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Now, look at, so, do you know what Paul, Paul was trying? So, first of all, let me tell you the first thing here. Very important. Before I even start talking about the element, there was, there is no hammer for the back. Get that. There's no protection for your back. The Roman soldier does not have a protection for his back. Why? Because it's not supposed to be run away from the back. <laughs> there is no mention of a back protection. for it. So the moment you turn your back away from the enemy, the battle, you are exposed. So better face. Everybody say face the enemy. <laughs> there is no protection for the back. Don't you don't run away. You understand? You run at the challenge. You run at the situation. You keep going forward. You keep pushing forward. You don't come back. You keep pushing forward. Because there's no protection for the back. That's the first thing that I want you to get. So always be pushing, always be moving forward in the spirit. As a church, always be moving forward. Don't run. Don't retreat. Amen. There's no protection for the back. So let's talk about the component of the strength. The first one, hey there, please. Truth as belt. Write it down. Truth as your belt. Now let me explain what the belt is. So this is the most important piece, I'm telling you, of the Roman soldier's armor. The belt is what holds everything together. If the belt is off, the entire armor falls apart. This is what I want to tell you. Listen, what holds you together? What, what's the core of your spiritual strength? What's the core of the strength of a community? Is truth. Everybody say truth. So the, the, what is truth? John 17, 17. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is what? Truth. God's word is what? Truth. Everybody say truth. What holds your hammer together is truth. Because the biggest weapon of the enemy is lies and deception, right? So what holds everything together is what is the truth of God's word. So in my personal life, our personal life, I discovered that the biggest thing, the greatest thing when it comes to this battle of being strong... Is how much truth you have operating in you. Are you all following me? How much truth you have operating? How much of the word? Do you get what I'm saying? If you don't have the truth in you, you are exposed. You are exposed. So what should you do to put on the belt of truth? What will you do as a believer practically? I I tell you, you have to practically live in the word. Do you get what I'm saying? you have to live in the word you and there are so many opportunities now it used to be harder before when i first became a christian it used to be harder but it's so easy now sometimes i look i look at all the things that are available now i'm like god there's so much there's so much ways of getting truth now right you could lie down and be listening to youtube you some know, messages being preached, right? You could get podcasts and you're listening to, uh, to podcasts. You can even have Alexa recite things to you. You can, I mean, all kinds of ways. You can be going in your car, you can be walking and you are hearing truth. But do you know, the law of believers don't take advantage of those things. The word, the truth of God's word going into you constantly, especially the truth of who you are in Christ. Do you get what I'm saying? The truth of who you are in Christ, the truth of what God has called you to do, the truth about the enemy and the truth of your strength in Christ, your placement in Christ, those things are, they represent the belt in your armor. Without that, everything falls apart. The second one, the body armor of righteousness. Point number B there. The body armor of righteousness. B. So, Righteousness as a body armor. So do you know what the body armor does? It protects the vital your vital organs. For the Roman soldier, it protects the vital organs of the Roman soldier, the heart, kidney, lungs and all that. That's what the body armor protects. Look, everybody, look at me, look at me. This is very important. if you don't know your righteousness in Christ. If you don't know the fact that you are righteous and you are strong in the fact that you are righteous, the devil pierces your vital spiritual organs as a believer. Condemnation is one of the biggest tricks of the enemy. You understand? In spiritual conflict. You know what condemnation is? Condemnation is that like you can't even pray. Remember what you did last summer. Remember what you did you know, yesterday. Or remember what you did some years ago. Remember what you did. So when you want to pray, you want to do anything, he has pierced that armor because you don't feel, you don't, you don't, sorry, you don't know that you're righteous. Are you following? You see, this is something that God has dealt with. The way he dealt with it is that he made sure that your righteousness is not going to be based on what you do. But based on what he has done, yes. Yes. I'm going to say something that some of you might say is controversial, but if you go and study, there's nothing that I can do in this earth that can take away my righteousness any longer. Yeah, come and talk to me afterwards. <laughs> there's nothing. I can lose a sense of it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like a sense of the righteousness, right? But my righteousness itself is a state. Do you get what I'm saying? So righteousness is a state like you being a U.S. citizen. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you being a U.S. citizen. You're a U.S. citizen, it's a state. Do you get what I'm saying? So the only way you can lose your U.S. citizen if you are born here, the only way you can lose it is to renounce it. That's the only way. To say, I don't want to be a U.S. citizen anymore. I'm going to be a citizen of another country. You can lose some of the, you know, some benefits. Are you following? Right and privileges of being a U.S. citizen, like your freedom. If you do some things, so you can be incarcerated, but you are still a, an incarcerated U.S. citizen. You might lose, lose the right to vote, right? But you are still what a U.S. citizen. I'm telling you that righteousness, when you become born again, it's a state. You become righteous. You might lose the effect of the righteousness based on what you do, but you never lose the state of righteousness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please, please. So so no matter what you do, I want you to understand this. No matter what you do or what happened, you make mistakes and all that, all you just need to do is to remember, I'm the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God doesn't act this way. Father, I'm just sorry because I acted that way. But right now, I'm going to start acting the right way. Thank you for your grace. Thank you because you have already forgiven me. And you keep on moving on. Are you following? Everybody say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to repeat it. And I want you to say it very clearly. And we're going to say it for about five times. I'm helping you to put on your breastplate. To put on your body armor. And say, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. God. In Christ, Jesus, Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ, Jesus, Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. God. In Christ, Jesus, I am the Christ righteousness of God. God. In Christ, Jesus, Jesus. I am the righteousness of God God. in Christ. Jesus. When you get to them, say it for, like, say it every day for, like, 100 times. How <laughs> many times? I'm telling you, by the time you are done with that week, man, your armor is on. I mean, your body armor is on. The devil can't attack you with condemnation and all. Your prayer becomes powerful. Because righteousness means to have rights. Just like citizenship means right. When you are righteous, that means I have a right in the presence of God. I have a right to his presence. I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't have to run away from him. I have the right of a son. I have the right to the privileges. I have the right to, be, to answer prayer. I have the right to be there. That's one of the things that changed my own life. I kept on saying it over and over and over and over as a younger man. I'm the righteous, maybe I'm in righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I know I seem mess up sometimes, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. In fact, there are some things that you would do. You are trying to break a habit and all that. F- forget about the habit. Just keep saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was a guy that had the habit of smoking. So this guy had the habit of, this is a true story. Then had the habit of smoking and smoking I wanted to break it. At first, when he when, would when smoke, he would feel bad as if God, God doesn't love me anymore for smoking. The devil has taken away his righteousness. Then he learned about this truth. So he started saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he will pick up the smoke. (sighs) I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. (sighs) I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. (sighs) I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. (sighs) I'm the righteousness of. So he said, he kept on saying it and kept on saying it. After a while, he discovered that. He said, he got to a point, one day he just picked up the smoke. And it's like righteousness. Of, you have the righteousness of God in Christ you Jesus. You, you don't do this. That was how the habit of smoking was broken in his life. He did not work on behavior. He worked on belief. Yeah, belief, not behavior. If you are trying to work on behavior, you will always fall. Work on your belief. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what you're dealing with, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul said? He said, "Awake to righteousness and sin not. You have to awake to it. You have to know that you are righteous. That's how habits get broken. That's why these things get broken. You become more conscious of your righteousness than of the sin. Somebody say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> quickly, because of our time, let's roll quickly. Peace as shoes. Ooh, I gotta stop peace as what? As shoes. <laughs> shoes, shoes, shoes. You gotta have good shoes, you know. I'm not talking about physical shoes now. I like your shoe. This is so nice. Amen. Now I'm not talking about just physical shoes now, but I'm talking about spiritual shoes. And it says peace. Everybody say peace is your shoes. Your shoe, your your shoe. What is peace? Do you get what I'm saying? You see, people don't know that this thing of being able to cast your cares on the Lord, being full of the word to the point that you have peace, actually affects your walk, your stance. So the shoes of a Roman soldier, right, is what allows him to be able to stand, whatever the battle is, to be able to run, to be able to do that. That's what peace is for you. The Bible says, Let the peace of God be the umpire that guides everything, your steps, all the things that you do. Are you following me? The gospel of peace is your shoe as a believer. So you have to make sure that you don't get into worry. The moment you get into worry, you get into, oh, you know, agitation and all that. You've lost your shoes. (laughs) Put it on. So whenever I say, Lord, I cast my cares on you and I trust in your word. I refuse to be worried about this situation. I just put on my beautiful shoes. Ready to walk. I would know what to do. You know? Do you get what I'm saying? It would direct your path. Is somebody getting blessed? D. The next part of the armor. The next piece of the armor. This is what spiritual strength looks like. This is what spiritual strength looks like. Faith as a shield. Faith as what? A shield. Faith as a shield. Whoa! Woo! So that big shield is the shield of faith. And it says, with, with which you will be able to stop all the fiery darts of the evil one. You'll be able to stop all the arrows of the evil one. Guys, this thing of faith is important. You know, some people say, oh, yeah, you know, you know talking about, you know, the message of faith. Or word of faith, you know, uh, you know why, you know why do people, you know, some people criticize it. God, my God, you will not be able to keep yourself, and any other person, or any other thing that God has put under your care covered if you don't walk by faith. Faith is a shield. Do you get what I'm saying? Faith is what? Is <laughs> a shield. What is faith? Faith is believing, right, and acting on God's word. It's a conviction of unseen realities. It's a conviction that the word of God is true. Now, that's what faith is—a conviction. Hebrews eleven one is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things of for, or substance of things of evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing in the invisible and believing in the impossible. We are created to walk by faith as believers. Faith is what allows you to sleep knowing that all your affairs are taken care of. Faith is what allows you to be in place and your children are in another place. And you trust that God is with them. Because God has promised you something. Faith is what allows you in the midst of negative situations and terrible circumstances to say this too shall pass. Are you following me? Faith is what allows you to take on a dream, an invisible dream, and to step out on that dream like walking on water, and saying it shall come to pass. That's what faith is. Faith is how you walk on water. Faith is how you 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 do the impossible. You move in the invisible. Oh, my God. Many times, life is going to come against you with situations that are contrary to what you know what is good. But faith is what allows you to see beyond what you see. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We do not walk by what we see in the physical, but what we have seen in the spirit. Amen. You as a believer, as a person, you must always see more than what you can see outside. You must always see different from what you can see outside of you. You must always see more than what you can see outside of you. Amen. And then you walk based on that. You rejoice based on that. That is your shield. And then the final one there. The only offensive weapon that we have here. He, the sword. The spoken word of God as a sword. The sword of the spirit. Now, I distinguished it by saying the spoken word of God there because it's not talking about the word that you have in the Bible. That you have on your phone. That's not a sword. The word used in this place is rhema, The rhema. That's the Greek, the rhema of the spirit. Amen. Have the rhema, you know, the rhema, the word. The spoken I'm about say the spoken word. In other words, the word of God that is applicable to a particular situation or a particular Circumstances at a, t- a circumstance at the time. That's the sword. You following? That you 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 you, you, you receive that you speak it out, and you will see the final point. You will see that. Watch, guys. So you see, this is the. These are the component of strength. Let's quickly release it. Uh, so sorry, sorry. Repeat it. One to go, truth as a belt. Righteousness as a peace faith now so where how do you use this weapon that's my final point go to my final point how do you use this weapon? the call for a supplicating community the call for what a supplicating community so you put on the armor you have the sword in your hand how do you use the sword that's what it's about to tell you. Let's read. Let's read the passage now, the, 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 the Bible passage there. Let's go. Want to go, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Verse 19, and pray for me too. Has God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan? that the good news is for the Jews and gentler alike. Verse 20, for whom, and I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him, as I should. Paul was not a defensive. He said, I'm in chains right now. They held me down, but I'm still forward looking. (laughs) I'm still preaching the message. So they call for a supplicating community. So after Paul... Remember our first point, right? He talked about the conflict that we're involved in, right? The need for strength, right? The necessity of strength. Then he goes on and talks about the nature of the conflict, the characteristics of of, uh, of of, of the conflict. And the people, you know, this is spiritual conflict and all that. Then he talks about, you know, what strength looks like. Now, he now says, this is how you use strength. This is how you put it to work. The call for a supplicating community. (laughs) Oh, my love. So when it says, when it says pray in the spirit at all times in every occasion, if you go go look at it very well, it's actually a continuation, really, a continuation of taking on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying. Let me say it again. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always so it's connected how you wield this strength this spiritual thing is in prayer is yes. in prayer so let's quickly talk about what does prayer with strength looks like number one we're going to go very fast with this one we we'll pray with scriptures we we'll pray with scriptures because he said it should be the word of god praying praying with the word of god we we'll pray with what with scriptures. So it's not just Oh! Oh! Oh Lord! Oh Lord! Look at the devil! He's chasing me! Oh! Oh God! Our church! Oh Lord! Look at our church! No, that's not prayer. (laughs) It's with scriptures. Lord, this is what your word says. Your word says it should be like this. But this is what we see. So, Lord, make it like what your word says. Amen. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how you pray in your life. This is what I see physically. But this is what your word says. And, Lord, you are not a liar. So, right now, ask you, confirm this word in my life. Make it like what your word says. Yeah. We pray with scriptures. Quickly, time. That, huh? The next one. Please, just keep showing it. Keep showing it, Paul. The next one. We pray in the spirit. To pray in the spirit. To pray in the spirit means that your prayers are inspired by the spirit. Your prayers are inspired by the spirit, so you're not just, oh, you know, just praying. You are praying as directed by the spirit, or you are allowing the Holy Ghost to pray through you. The next one, quickly. Next one, keep going, Paul. We pray continually. He said, praying always and all and at all times. My God. Listen, Paul is telling a old church that they need to keep praying. Did you see how he said it? He said, praying at all times and in all locations. So, <laughs> do, you know that, do you know that in the American church, I'm sorry to say, do you know in the American church, the average pastor doesn't pray? Apart from that, the average church doesn't pray. That's just the truth. The average church doesn't pray. People don't. When you say, come and pray all night, people don't know what that means in this place. Like all night prayer. What I mean what's going on? I mean, why do I need to pray all night? What do I need to pray for? Extended. You know, I can just pray in Jesus' name for a few minutes and all that. Yeah. And that's what happens. That's why there's no power. That's why there's a lot of deception. Take a trip outside the country. <laughs> Take a trip to America. Take a trip to South America. Take a trip to Asia and see believers there. Take a trip to China. Or the occult people in this place, the occult people—they will pray around all the time. But take a trip even to Muslim to to Islam, but in church, <laughs> that's why the church is powerless. Some of you have never seen a powerful church before. Go, go, go! Take it one day. I will take all of you outside. We'll go see. No, but we're going to make this is going to be a powerful church. Amen. <laughs> but I'm just telling you that. Do you get what I'm saying? When you see people praying for hours, by the time they finish praying like this, the devil is pushed away from the environment. People are getting freed naturally. The atmosphere is clear. Praying always. Everybody say praying always. Oh, my God. Pray consistently. Then the next one, pray persistently. So persistence is different from continually. Persistent means you pray through to the answer. Remember that woman that came to uh, to the judge, and she kept on crying, knocking on his door. Avenge me, avenge me, avenge me. Jesus said, that judge, even if he doesn't want to avenge, will have to avenge because of the persistence of the woman. Praying persistently is that, so you take an issue, you take up an issue. For example, somebody in this place says, I want to take up the issue of the establishment of the children's church of Glow Church and the youth. That person takes that find all the scriptures and keep praying it and keep praying it and keep praying it and the person will not stop until the children's church is established and children have been touched. That's what persistent prayer means. Do you get what I'm saying? Somebody says, I am going to pray the best, wait, on, the best choir that when they sing the spirit of God will flow all over the entire day. You know? Have you heard of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir before? That was what the pastor was doing. And the people, they were praying. They prayed. They they had a lot of problems. So he kept on praying, praying. There's a book called, um, what's in the title of that book again? Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And they just kept on praying until people started coming and joining the choir. We listen to their music now all over the place, but that was the root of it. Somebody just takes it up. This is what it means to establish you. I'm going to deal with that. Somebody says, you know what? The outreach to non believers in the church, to people who have no faith. I am going to take this one up, and I'm going to pray scriptures until that happens. And you stay till the end until you start saying it. That's what persistent prayer is. Pray for believers. Everybody needs to be covered. He said, praying for all the saints. Remember in the scripture we read, he said, praying for all of them, all believers everywhere. We need to cover members of the household. We need to cover other churches. Do you get what I'm saying? And then the next one, pray for ministry leaders. Paul said, pray for me as I'm standing there in the front lines. You know, pray for me. We need to cover our pastors. Many, many, many people criticize other believers, other leaders, more than they pray for them. One of my rules is that if I have not prayed for somebody, I have no right to criticize them. Yep. So people say, this person did whatever, like, have I ever prayed for this person? I have not. Pray for and then finally, pray specifics. You know, Paul said Paul gave them specific things. He said, pray for me this way, that utterance will be given to me, and all that. Pray specifics. So let's go to uh, ABC. A B C what are what should be your next steps, your takeaway from this message. What's your takeaway from this message? A B C. Amen. The first one, hammer up. Everybody say, hammer up. That's A. Hammer up! (laughs) Put it on! Every day, every time. Hammer up! And then B. Beware. Now, the word beware there means be aware. It's shorting for what? Be aware. You know, Paul said, be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Be alert. You are in a spiritual warfare. You understand? Be serious about this stuff. Do you get what I'm saying? Be aware in your house when something begins to happen. You know, you begin to argue another. Be aware. This is a spiritual thing and get there. In your life, you understand? Be aware. Be aware of what is happening. Be, be sensitive. Do you get what I'm saying? Be sensitive. Hammer up. Be sensitive. And then see. Call. Call there means get into prayer. Get into prayer individually and get into prayer with the body. And let's build strength. Yes. Amen. Amen. Did you receive something? Yes. Now you can help me. You, you, you enjoying it. I can see. <laughs> you can play something now. Did you receive something? Yes. yes. Come on, let's rise up on our feet. Say, we are a strong body. body. You no, know, I want you to say it boldly. Say, we are a strong body. Yes. Because... We will hammer up, we'll be aware and we will call. Let's say it one more time, say we are a strong body, because we will hammer up, we'll be aware and we will call. We will pray. We'll pray the will of God. We'll pray for believers. We'll cover our children. We'll cover uh, 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 you know, everybody in the church. We'll cover households. We'll cover marriages. We'll cover leaders. We'll cover the youth. Prayer works. Prayer can reach where we cannot reach. So let's pray. Let's get in the spirit. Let's pray. Let's pray these things out. Let the, let's re- depend on the help of the Holy Spirit and not on our own strength. Come on, lift your hands and just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to The Glow Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorlen.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.